the Appendix N Podcast, Episode 9. Selected works by H.P. Lovecraft, Part 1. Welcome to the Appendix N Podcast, a Tome Show production. My name is Jeffrey Wynn. This is the show where we read and discuss the authors that influenced Gary Gygax, one of the creators of Dungeons & Dragons. In the 1979 Dungeon Master's Guide, Gygax published a list of his favorite fantasy authors, and this list has come to be known simply as Appendix N. And welcome! You are listening to the first part of my super amazing October Lovecraftian special for Halloween in October! Special! That could have come out better, but you can tell I'm excited. Uh, I have brought together several guests, and rather than one long uh, book discussion, we are going to do several shorter segments, each on a different story. Lovecraft wrote so many amazing tales, uh, it's impossible to cover them all on this show. So what you're going to hear on the next couple of shows is a sampling of some of his best stuff. Uh, I recorded all of these segments separately and then spliced them together, so mm, some of the transitions are not the best, but uh, I hope you'll enjoy listening anyway. Before we get to the program, let us take a moment to mention our sponsor, Noble Knight Games, online retailer of new and out-of-print role-playing games, war games, board games, and miniatures. Since 1997, they have helped thousands of gamers from around the world save money and find exactly what they need. You can find them on the web at www.noblenight.com. My pick for this episode is Call of Cthulhu, the role-playing game, 5th edition by Chaosium. You can find it for the low, low price of $17.95. Uh, A little background on our author. Uh, H.P. Lovecraft was born in Providence, Rhode Island, the son of a traveling salesman and a woman who could trace her ancestry back to the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Uh, When Lovecraft was only three years old, his father was placed in a psychiatric institution and died five years later, uh, as Lovecraft himself claimed of paralysis brought on by a nervous exhaustion. Whatever that is. Lovecraft's mother suffered uh, from hysteria and depression and died at the same hospital 23 years later. Um, Lovecraft was raised by his mother and his mother's family, including his grandfather, who was a businessman. It was this grandfather who encouraged him to read and interested him in tales of gothic horror. Lovecraft was an intelligent but sickly child who grew up, who grew into a gaunt, pale adult. He suffered a nervous breakdown prior to his high school graduation and never received his diploma. Although today he is regarded by fans as one of the greatest literary geniuses of the 20th century, he was never financially successful in his own time, partly due to his own unwillingness to promote himself. He was friends with many other writers of his day, including, most famously, Robert E. Howard, creator of Conan the Barbarian. He was briefly married to a woman by the name of Sonia Green, an interesting person in her own right. Uh, and lived with her in New York City, where he was famously miserable. Lovecraft returned to Providence in 1926 and lived there until his death in 1937. He was diagnosed with cancer of the small intestine and died in poverty. Today, the images of H.P. Lovecraft and his most famous creation, the monster Cthulhu, are well known to gamers. Cthulhu appears on t-shirts, in board games, card games, role-playing games, and video games. He is credited as an inspiration by many, many horror and fantasy writers and filmmakers who came after him, and yet his name is still relatively unknown outside of geek and gamer culture. 
probably less recognizable to most people than Edgar Allan Poe and Stephen King. And now, on to the stories. On this show, you will hear four different segments I recorded. Uh, as always, uh, I try to present stories in uh, chronological order of when they are written. Uh, so, so that's what I have done. Our first story this evening is The Doom That Came to Sarnath. It's one of Lovecraft's uh, earliest tales. And uh, with me to talk about it, welcome to the show, uh, Dan Samil. Welcome, Dan. Hi, Jeff. And this is this is your your first time on the show, Dan. Uh, you and I have 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 been friends, and and, and we've been uh, gaming together uh, off and on for a, a couple of years now. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners? Okay, uh, my name's Dan. Uh, I've known you for I'd have to say about uh, five six years now. Um, uh, I've I'm really Glad that I can actually come on and uh, talk about H.P. Uh, Lovecraft stories. Big fan of his, so this should be uh, an interesting experience. You, you, you really like uh, like uh, Lovecraft, right? Oh, yes. Uh, I, I've been into him for nearly a decade now. How did you get into, into gaming? Uh, well, I got into gaming, um, uh, I, I would have to say, back on my 12th birthday, a friend of mine uh, got me for my birthday gift a Heroes Quest. I don't know if you remember that old uh, that's board the, game. That's the board game, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there was a story involved to it. And uh, once I played that a couple of times, it was a, a short hop away to Dungeons & Dragons, and I never looked back. And uh, so besides Lovecraft, what, what do you typically read? Uh, my favorite uh, stories would actually be The Dresden Files. Uh, I'm not sure uh, if uh, you ever heard of it. Uh, it's a very popular Wizard Chicago uh um, urban fantasy. I've, I've, uh, I've heard of it. He's he's the other Harry. Yeah, he's the other Harry. And uh, I'm uh, also a big uh, fan of the Game of Thrones. I'm actually uh, just started uh, uh, reading it, and uh, so far I just finished book one. I'm on book two, and I have to say I I've loved every page. Awesome. So uh, I I look I look forward to our discussion. So uh, the Doom that came to Sarnath was written uh, December third, nineteen nineteen. And uh, it was published uh, in June of the following year, 1920, in The Scot, which is a, a Scottish amateur fiction magazine, uh, and shows heavy uh, influences by, by uh, Lord uh, Dunsany. And um, uh, the city described therein is mostly inspired by uh, ancient Babylon, at least according to the wisdom of Wikipedia, which is where I get all of my knowledge. Uh, so the doom that came to Sarnath is is really mostly like a a very long uh, description of this fantastic ancient city. It, it it reads almost like a long form poem, which which is is very much uh, in the in the style of Dunsany. It's 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 very dreamy and. For for the most part, not really scary, and like except in the beginning and and at the end. What are what are your your impressions? Uh, well, uh, I have to first start off by saying that uh, this actually has a warm spot in my heart. It's the first uh, story I've ever read of H.P. Lovecraft's, and uh, when I first read it, I was uh, very confused. Uh, after a while, I uh, my my feelings for this story is is that it is an awesome a descriptive tale of the history of a city uh, uh, brought on by a, a, 
the defining event of the city, uh, which is them uh, uh, killing uh, the, the people who came from long away to come to this area, killed off these, these people and built this grand city based on this act. Um, I find that the, the writing is uh, uh, d very descriptive, as of most of uh, Lovecraft's work, uh, but beautifully done in a, a, in a way that it's not just like a dream, but it's almost like beauty. There, there's so much beauty that is intoned in it uh, that it, it, it fascinates me to this day. It, 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 it reminds me of, of back when we were reading uh, the Book of Wonder, and, and I don't know if, if you've ever read any Lord uh, Dunsany, Dan, but in, in, in that book, there was one story about a, a man who just, who just sort of uh, makes up worlds inside his, 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 own, his own head. I mean, he, he, he basically makes up a, a fantasy campaign setting in inside his own head and and that's the story and and, and like i can i can easily imagine uh sarnath uh e existing in in uh Dunstany's character's head it's 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 that kind of it's that kind of uh uh fan fantasticism I, I don't know if that's actually a word um so the the story as as much as there is is that uh, as you were saying there there there's some there's some fish people living uh but beside a lake in in prehistoric earth and humans come and they think the fish people are abomination so they 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 kill the fish people and take their idol and and they build their own city Sarnath and uh later uh, the the high priest is found murdered lying next to this idol and and he's written the word doom on it um or he's he's written the root the the word doom I think somewhere like on an altar or something and and the idol's missing and but uh, Sarnath prospers for a thousand years and and most of the story is Lovecraft just describing the the decadence and grandeur of this fantastic city and, and all the lands around it. I mean, you could, you could really build a, you like your, your own Dungeons and Dragons setting just based on this short, uh, description. It's, it, it's really reminiscent of the, the types of places that, that Conan, for example, would hang out. It, it reminds me of, uh, Lankmar or or Greyhawk City, right? It's it's just this this ancient, fabulous city filled with with wonders. He 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 describes gardens and 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 fountains and you know parks with like exotic animals and things and 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 food and visiting dignitaries and it's it's just it's just you know one wondrous thing after another. And then at the uh, celebration of their i think it's it's 1000 years dan uh i think it's a uh, uh, 10000 uh years but yes oh that that seems awful long but it's yeah <laughs> some 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 sort of uh anniversary they're they're just having their annual uh celebration and and they've invited like everybody it, you know it's 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 like bilbo's birthday party a thousand times times over right except it's it's an entire city uh and uh, at at that point, the the god of the fish people, uh, Bokrug, uh, decides that he's just gonna uh, have the lake rise up and uh, uh, steam or smoke or or mist just sort of comes off the lake and and starts transforming 
uh, people into into fish people, and everybody else like runs for it, and like like after after the the entire city is is emptied and everyone's fled, some some ad- adventurers manage to uh, come back searching for for riches or or for the idol, and the entire city's gone, except for this idol, and they they take the idol back to to their own lands, and suddenly humans are worshiping the fish god because clearly this fish god is way more powerful than any of their their gods. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it. The uh, Bokrog, the uh, water lizard, or the great water lizard, I think they call it, um, is is basically uh, just this this cr- creature that seems to have this infinite patience, and it, it almost like waited. Um, so many years for to get revenge on the people that were slaughtered, you know, uh, uh, thousands of years ago, and it waited until the the city was at its peak, at its its highest. It's you know, miles across. It takes days to uh, get, get from one end to the other. Spires reaching past the heavens, and this uh, this great water lizard decides, okay, uh, on the year uh, on the anniversary of killing my people that you do every year that you mock these people every year i am now going to take my revenge and that i think um not the fact that they 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 kill people or the people go missing they turn into fish people it's i think it's the horrible patience of this creature i think is the most horrifying thing in the world i mean imagine you know uh, accidentally uh hurting somebody and then Ten thousand generations later, you know your your entire bloodline is you know, doomed because of uh, of something that happened, you know, so many years ago. I think that's what I, I think is the uh, the most horrifying aspect of this story. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 almost like a a cautionary tale, like like don't don't piss off uh, the 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 elder things. There 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 are things far far more uh, far far older and and more powerful than man in the world and it 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 doesn't do to underestimate them which is basically the the premise of all of lovecraft really yes uh, people are uh, dust on the winds of history you're nothing uh, against these creatures that basically live for eternity um uh, it, it's it's what i believe uh, the term cosmic horror came from so I think that's I mean that's that's basically it that's 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 basically all there there is to say about uh, the doom that that came to Sarnath. It's it's a wonderful story. It's it's not very long, but it's it's just chock full of, of all sorts of of juicy details. If you're looking to 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 have some some kind of central uh, met, metropolis for your campaign setting, like like a Greyhawk city or or a Waterdeep or something or or if you're looking for a you know lost ruin city for your adventurers to explore, oh, I I agree. Uh, the just the aspect of something being so grand and vanishing overnight could fuel adventures uh, f- uh, for gains on end, and just trying to find any aspect will cause the uh, disappearance of the city. Not to mention that the uh, 
the strange fish people make a, a fantastic uh, NPC race, and uh, the, the the finding uh, the great idol or the even aspects of Bokrog would make a, a phenomenal deity, at least for NPC characters. I think, I think uh, Bokrog was was actually statted up in Pathfinder. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Bestiary Four actually had. Uh, a bunch of actual mythos uh, deities, which which is sort of a, a, a thumb in the face to Dungeons and Dragons, which uh, tried to have mythos deities in uh, first edition, and and they got sued by the Lovecraft estate or whoever owned the rights at the time. But since since then, I think Cthulhu's become public domain, so now anybody can just have Cthulhu in their in their thing. Uh, yes, and in fact, I believe they even have it in uh, the new fifth edition as one of the warlock. Uh, 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 people that uh, the warlocks uh, follow get their magic from, and the and the and the fish people. I mean, Dungeons and Dragons has no shortage of of fish humanoids. I think I think the Kuo Toa were inspired by this particular group of fish people because there's there's also the um, the Sahuagin, but I, th- I think the Sahuagin are more based on the the deep ones from. Um, from a numerous uh, set of uh, stories, yeah. too numerous they count. All uh, right, so that's that. That's really all there, there is to say about uh, the the doom that came to Sarnath. I, I hope you read it, and uh, Dan will with will be with me in my next segment to talk about uh, our next story from beyond. And our next story uh, is another short story from beyond. Uh, written November 16th, 1920, and published June 1934, that's, that's 14 years later, in uh, the, the, the Fantasy Fan. Uh, and this, this is another... Uh, this this is, is one of several stories that um, are, 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 are kind of neat, but maybe uh, unimpressive in and of them themselves but would go on to inspire uh, certain certain tropes and and themes that would appear again in in later more popular stories um, and with me to talk about from beyond is my friend Dan Samil welcome back Dan oh thank you good to be back so uh, from beyond features a uh, an, an unnamed uh, protagonist who is friends with a uh, mad scientist by the name of Crawford Tillinghast. What are what are your your impressions of this of this tale, Dan? Uh, this is a great example of uh, Lovecraft's uh, love with mad scientists. I think uh, because it's. It really isn't about the creature in this. It is, uh, uh, or the creatures in this case. It's about the uh, scientist uh, Tillinghast, who is basically been obsessed with this certain type of technology that he's been working on, and his zeal uh, just basically uh, throws himself into it, uh, getting quite sick and uh, uh, and insane. And he invites his friend over, who in the very beginning. Uh, he said, "Ah, this is silly. You're 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 crazy. You shouldn't be uh, dealing with this." And then, uh, basically, it's Tillinghast now taking revenge on the narrator, uh, which is done in 
surprisingly a, a well done way i i thought uh and i do have to agree with you on one thing it's not the the uh, hbo lovecraft's uh, uh, greatest stories but it does have a lot of potential especially in stories and, and tropes yeah i mean there's there, there's still um like tons of 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 just gems in this in this uh story so uh tillingist is he seems like a character that was probably in inspired by by uh one of one of lovecraft's uh, f- uh friends because he's 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 very um well painted as as opposed to a lot of lovecraftian characters who, who are just sort of names and and that's that's about it but he's he's this uh sickly uh fanatical uh science and it's 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 not that that his friend doesn't believe he can do like whatever he's he's setting out to do right it's it's he he believes that he will succeed and 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 he's he's afraid of the of the consequences and it it, it sort of reminds me of uh actually mary shelley's uh, uh frankenstein there's i think there's there's a very early part in the book where victor is a child and his father warns him not to read certain books but doesn't tell him why he shouldn't read certain books and so being a petulant child victor reads the books anyway and goes on to become uh the the creator of a of a monster uh we've 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 sort of got the same thing here and uh so tillingist invents a machine it's this electrical apparatus with i I guess i don't know wheels and 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 light bulbs and things and that uh, emits waves that allows people to um, see uh, other realities, or you know, see with senses beyond uh, the five senses that that we're aware of. Is 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 that more or less a correct assessment? Uh, yes, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft took uh, something uh, that they've been studying at the time, which was ultraviolet light. And he took it one step further, saying that uh, uh, by utilizing uh, a, a form of ultraviolet light, um, you can see other realities overlapping our own. Um, and but if you see those realities, they can see you as well. And, and unfortunately, uh, now we know that ultraviolet light just gives you cancer. <laughs> but uh yeah it, it it it's it's sort of the the same uh science that you know folks like like Burroughs employed taking things that that were really not very well understood at the time and, and just sort of being explored and extrapolating on them uh i mean this this is 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 where like you know uh b movie science fiction comes from as, as opposed to like the more um thought-provoking, you know, Asimovian science fiction. It's, you know, it's it's not, you know, what would society look like on the moon? It's, hey, what if this weird thing we've discovered turns you into a monster or whatever? Right? It's... Yeah, it's, it's more along the lines of... Uh... There's you don't have to worry about what's in your closet or under your bed. It's what's staring at you from across the void right at the end of your bed. Uh, It's it's what's in your room, not what's outside trying to get in. It's already there. And it's 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 also sort of playing on uh, 
on the on the on the fear of science, right? Like like what if we go too far? Yes, uh, in fact, he actually stated uh, in, in the book, I believe, uh, just that that uh, that there w- there are things that man was not meant to know. In one of H.P. Lovecraft's uh, most uh, uh, famous sayings um, that uh, uh, basically there's just there are just steps or there's realities worlds creatures we are just not capable of understanding and just the knowledge of them could destroy us so all right so uh, Tillinghast and the the protagonist they 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 have this falling out and the the protagonist doesn't see him for a while and then and then eventually Tillinghast uh, contacts our our hero and uh, it invites him back to his home and uh, so I I, I guess uh, Tillinghast is is rich or something because he he lives in a in a mansion with with servants but uh, when our hero arrives uh, the the house is is empty uh, except for uh, Tillinghast and his and his machine. And he just he just sits our, our hero down in a in a room and 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 turns it on and and most of the story is our protagonist describing the the effects that that this machine is 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 having on him and and the and the things that that he's seeing it's 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 almost a bit like a like a, a, a LSD uh, you know uh, a fever dream or something I I I think this was probably before uh, hallucinogenics became really popular but it 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 almost reads like that because he's he's seeing like weird like jellyfish things that 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 move through people and it's it's just the the realization that that there's well oh my goodness there's there's invisible things all around me that are just sort of like one step out of phase and and they're they're crawling through me and and isn't that kind of gruesome it's 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 like when you hear for example that there's microscopic insects living in your eyelashes which by the way there are microscopic insects <laughs> living in your eyelashes and that's kind of creepy right mhm but it's also true so you just kind of have to live with it and in fact, I think that uh, at the very end of the uh, the book is uh, uh, the the main narrator is burdened by the, the that that knowledge that there are so many things around him that he can't see but could possibly be seeing him. Uh, that uh, it it doesn't flat out say it, but it kind of indicates that he slowly goes insane out of that knowledge. That is that is the typical fate of a of a Lovecraftian protagonist. You you if 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 you don't die. Then and and you're not institutionalized. You are at the very least burdened by by things that man was not meant to know. Um. So, uh, Tillinghast goes goes on to reveal that that the reason that 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 the servants aren't aren't around, uh, is is that uh the the creatures that he's able to see with the, with this machine are 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 like you said earlier. Uh, also aware of people, but but only if they move or, or only if they do certain certain actions. And one of the servants turned on on the lights while uh, he was operating the machine. And, and uh, Tillinghast came downstairs just to find their their empty clothes. Yes, it's uh they uh, basically the the, the creatures uh, were attracted by the light 
uh, and the, the the movement of uh, everyone that was going on downstairs. And when he shows up, he just sees piles of clothes, and he only knows it's them because he recognized the clothes that his uh, uh, the the people who work for him were, were wearing at the time. And he 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 says very eerily that that he heard screaming, but but the screaming wasn't screams of pain it was it was they you know the 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 servants were screaming because they because they saw the thing and they and they saw how how horrible it was um and and finally he 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 reveals that that the reason that he's he's called uh our our protagonist to his his house is as as you said for uh revenge for their for their early uh uh falling out and and he, he he starts saying well i've i've learned how to avoid the creatures that are all around us, but you don't have that knowledge. And there's something really horrible that's been creeping up on you this entire time. And it's right over your shoulder. Don't you want to look at it right now? And, and it's that moment where the protagonist, uh, he's, he, he's, he's had one night in his hand uh, the, the entire time because he carries a gun because apparently he was, he was held up in Providence, right? Uh, and he shoots the machine, and uh, Tillingus dies of just shock. I think uh, apoplexy. Yes, and uh, uh, basically, there's sparks shoot out, uh, fly out, and uh, the the main narrator, who's been uh, describing everything, uh, just blacks out at this point. Right. Uh, only to wake up uh, uh, days later. So this this. This story is is really absent of of, of any particular uh, mythos. Elef- uh, I almost said elephants. This this story is 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 uh, absent of of any particular uh, mythos elements. There's there's no you know, like named creatures or or named entities. I I I sort of thought of uh, the hounds of Tindalos. When when he's he's describing the the predatory thing that's sneaking up behind our protagonist, but which which I don't think those were even created by Lovecraft. I think those were created by Frank Belknap Long, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. Uh, after uh, after Lovecraft's death. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, it was one of the. Uh, I I could be wrong about this, but it was one of the uh, things that uh, they uh, that he he worked on. Uh, after after the fact uh, that and it worked uh, well with uh, the the I guess the mythos and uh, and the, just because of the, they they worked on so much things that were very similar the mythos have long since been combined which is why I I I don't like calling it the Lovecraft mythos a lot of people uh, uh, utilize that it. it's it's more of a, a it's been a more generalized <laughs> since uh, Lovecraft's death. So, so what what inspirations can we take from the story to use specifically in in our our Dungeons and Dragons game? Oh, there there is a ton of things uh, in this story that I love. Uh, the first of all, you have the mad scientist who uh, can work in almost in any situation. Um, I mean, we've seen mad scientists before, but this this person isn't uh, going out of his way to create a monster or anything. He literally is sitting back flips a switch, which you have, you know, four adventure types, five adventure types walking into a room. There's, there's nothing scarier than a madman just sitting calmly at a chair, flips a switch and sits back and smiles. 
Um, then you have the, 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 the strange contraption that allows you to see things that no one else can see. That by itself, uh, collecting the parts to put this thing together, uh, trying to stop it from being put together, uh, needing to use it uh, so that you can actually see other worlds and interact with them to get around obstacles. Or, or even see the thing that you're, that you're fighting. Exactly. And, and it, 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 it doesn't even need to be a mad scientist. Like you can, you, you can very easily replace mad scientists with, with insane wizard. You know, if, 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 if that's how your, how your, how your setting works, uh, you know, and, and even the, the idea of um, a, a falling out of principles be, between an, an, an evil wizard and a and a good wizard is 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 a good backstory for uh, an ad, an adventure, right? Your 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 good wizard friend, who is your mentor, has gone missing, and it turns out he's been lured to his his evil colleague's house, uh, and you know he's he's been trapped or or killed, and and you have to do something about it. Um, or even taking it the one step further and and play further into this story, uh, your uh, mentor is the evil uh, wizard and he's uh, uh, basically has uh, brought you back to his uh, laboratory library or uh, alchemist lab uh, to uh, basically inflict these demons upon you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. Well, uh, I I think we've said all that there is to say about, about this story. Uh, Dan, you'll be, you'll be back to join me later, but uh, for now, um, uh, we will we will uh, be back with our next story. Okay, and with me to talk about the temple. Returning to the show, it's my good friend Jeff Wickstrom. Welcome back, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Glad to be here. Now, the the temple is uh, one of H.P. Lovecraft's. It, it, it's it's not a very well known story. Uh, it was written uh, between June and November of 1920, and uh, was not published until uh, September of 1925. In weird tales, um, it's a it's a different story than I was expecting from Lovecraft. It's a different kind of story in a lot of ways than most of what I've read from him. Jeff, what what have you read? Um, geez, I've read the Call of Cthulhu, the Shadow Over Innsmouth, the Dunwich Horror, the I mean, you know, the 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 big Lovecraft well known canon. Mm-hmm. Um, tales of mystery and horror, the Shadows out, shadow out of time at the mountains of madness. So all the, all the, the, all the triple A right. stuff, the first tier stuff. I have right. not read the more obscure things about you know Yig, father of snakes, and um, the lurking fear. And this is this so is a forth. this is a pretty obscure tale. It was it was actually recommended to me by by a friend. I had I had never read it, but it's it's uh, decidedly uh, uh, different from from the sort of uh, uh, tentacly. Uh, uh, Indiana Jones um, uh, uh, type of type of horror. Yeah, so, if if I was looking for, if I was looking to put together a collection of Lovecraft stories that really showcased the the breadth of his range, I would definitely want to include this one because it's like I said, it's very different from a lot of what I have read from him. So our our hero or our protagonist uh, is a German. U-boat commander uh, by the name of, of Carl Heinrich, 
and uh, the story is is being uh, de delivered to us via uh, a a message in a in a bottle. Uh, he so at 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 the at the outset we we know that that this uh, gentleman is is already uh, at the bottom of the ocean and and likely has not uh, survived. He believes himself doomed, and he wants to to send this message on to posterity in the only way that he can, which is a message in a bottle. Yeah. So I mean, this the the plot of this story is is simply that uh, this this U boat. Uh, sinks a a passing uh, British uh, freighter, and uh, one of one of the uh, sailors they 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 find one of the young sailors uh, clinging uh, to their to their uh, U-boat afterwards, presumably well, dead. Yeah, and I would point out I would want to I would I would jump in here and I would point out that we get even in this at this very introductory portion we get our first hint that Heinrich the narrator is not a guy that we're supposed to be rooting for because of the way that he talks about sinking the victory. Um, yeah, they, they take over the British ship, they put the, its crew on lifeboats, and then they set up a camera and film it while they, while they scuttle the British ship. So they have some nice, like, propaganda footage. And then uh, he offhandedly mentions that then they sank the lifeboats and left, uh, presumably leaving the British crew to die. And in fact, the you know, you, you, next thing that happens is we encounter one of the British crew's corpses. So it's, yes, they all died. It's 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 war, and 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 war is is not pretty. This is this is World War One, by the way. Uh, yeah, is, still, it's kind of kind of a dick move to put them on lifeboats, uh, presumably securing their cooperation so you could get this propaganda footage, and then just you know sink the lifeboats. He's a dick. I'm, so that's what I'm saying. Yes, yes, he's he is not a very nice nice man. And this, I mean, this is this is like pre uh, Nazi Germany. I mean, this is this is you know. So this is—I mean, this is this—I guess—is what Americans thought of of Germans at the time, even even before they, they 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 developed their their the 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 even darker reputation that they that they received in World War II. So it's it's very interesting looking at um, other nationalities through through Lovecraft's eyes. Yeah, because the other interesting thing about Heinrich is that he is hella racist. Uh, which I would not have expected would be a quality that Lovecraft would assign to a to an unsympathetic uh, kind of antihero type, but he is extremely racist against not even non-Germans, but against the wrong kind of German. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the the uh, story is they they find the corpse of this of this uh, seaman, and uh, he's he's dead, and and they're and they're like throwing him off the ship before they they submerge, and and some of the sailors think that that that, that he uh, actually opens his his eyes, and and swims away, and they they also he's also holding this this sculpture of a a head, like wearing like a like a laurel wreath or or something, uh, and and both of these things really creep the the German sailors out. Um, and they're yeah they're they're a superstitious and cowardly lot. And right. The the mere sight of somebody with a, an ivory head uh, on them is enough to to freak them out, which of course fills Heinrich with a lot of uh, contempt for the crew. Right. And a, a little while later, the the uh, the submarine actually like the 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 engine stop stops working. Uh, like I think it just like explodes in the middle of of the day, and 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 they just like lose all power and 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 start sinking. 
You know, they lose all power. A couple of their engineers die in the explosion. They're able to um, to regain the ability to surface and um, go down and turn the lights on and off, uh, but they can't steer the sub. They're just at at mercy of the of the currents. And the and the rest of his men want him to uh, surrender to an, an an American ship, but but he will he will have uh, none of it. And and eventually they they mutiny and he executes them. Uh, so like it's it's just him and his and and his number two officer, um, and they're 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 slowly sinking to the bottom. They're 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 being followed by dolphins apparently for miles, which is unusual for for dolphins. Yeah. Now when when uh, Heinrich looks at them, they're dolphins, uh, and when the when the officer looks at them, their other other officer looks at them, they're dolphins. But at least uh, on one or two occasions, at least before Heinrich kills them all. The uh, when the uh, the sailors look out and see that they, they, what they see are not dolphins but the corpses of the uh, of the sailors from the British ship that they sank, including the uh, the one who had the ivory head, who was like the lead guy, who's uh, you know up in their face as they're peering out through the porthole. This freaks them all out, and I think it, that may or may not be what actually prompts Heinrich to call them all crazy and kill them. Um, but it's definitely a thing that happens. Yeah, it's. I mean, this 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 is is the point in the story where 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 things go from uh, creepy to to weird. Um, when when it's it's just him and his second officer, uh, uh, Altberg, I think is 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 the guy's name. Uh, Altberg slowly goes insane and and starts uh, claiming that 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 something out in the ocean is is calling to him. And and he eventually just like disembarks of his of his own own volition and, and basically drown, uh, uh, drowns himself. Uh, and um, uh, Heinrich, he's left alone. Uh, figures he's going to die sooner or later, but he's at least going to keep a good scientific record of his last moments. Um, takes careful notes of all that he sees as his uh, submarine drifts into Atlantis. It, it's, it's really almost uh, comical, the, the, the guy's uh, narration talking about his, his iron German will and, 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 and how he, he clearly must be going, uh, you know, losing, losing his faculties because the things happening around him cannot possibly be, be happening. Uh, but but he, he keeps his sanity enough to, to, to write them down in a... In a in a very clear, concise fashion, it 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 reads like a sort of an ironic uh, satire, which really was not something that I was expecting uh, from a Lovecraft story written right after World War One. I. I think there's there's like one point where like the the power fails and it's dark, but he can he can he can still see, and and he's he's writing well. Clearly, I can't actually be seeing. This must all be a hallucination, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, so uh, eventually, like the the U boat settles on this on the sea bottom outside this sunken city, which, um, like I I would assume to be uh, Rilia, even though this is before Rilia was even an invention in in Lovecraft's mind, as, as yeah. far as I know. Well, I think that there's a is I, I think that there's an implication that the ivory head and the sunken city come from the same culture. Um, at least that's 
that's implied. There's very little that's actually stated outright in terms of what's going on. Um, I, I, I would guess if I was going to put a pen in it, I would say that Lovecraft probably would not have connected this, this particular sunken city to um, Relia. Right. I don't. I don't think Lovecraft ever intentionally set out to create a a mythos, the the uh, Cthulhu mythos or the or the Lovecraft mythos, as as it was it was later dubbed. I think that's a mostly a construction by by his fans and his and his friends. Yeah. Yeah. He was just he was just writing some stories, and this is what worked in this story. But I mean, there there are certainly a lot of references to underground, uh, to underwater, sunken, ruined cities in in his writing, and and this yeah. certainly, if if you were to create a universe out of Lovecraft's tales, this this could either be Rillia or, you know, like part of the the Rillian state or or or, or nation or whatever. Sure, sure. I mean, I think it's somewhere we're we're led to believe that the sunken city is somewhere in the Atlantic. And I think that Rilla is in the South Pacific. Right, right. So the the U-boat just uh, lands on the sea bottom outside the uh, titular uh, temple. And and kind, kind of, again, like the vault in Rilia that Cthulhu himself emerges from, it's this sort of big square thing with, with a huge door in it kind of leaning to one side. Um, and there, there's just this yawning uh, uh, portal uh, facing uh, uh, Heinrich, and and there's there's this eerie light coming out of it, and and there's and there's drums coming out of it, which sort of reminds me of of Tolkien and and Moria and yeah. drums drums in the deep, right? Yeah, and and Heinrich is very matter of fact about describing all of this, and uh, he decides to put on a diving suit and go check it out. Right, and and this the the entire time he's convinced that that none of this is really happening. It's 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 all a a hallucination. But surely someone will will find his his notes and 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 you know make a make a study. Or, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he so he goes out of the diving suit. So he walks around uh, the underground uh, the underwater city for a while. Explores the ruins a bit. Goes back to the ship and updates his notes. And then he says, well, I'm probably going to go out there and um, die now. And that's pretty much how he wraps up his story. So he's planning on going out there in the diving suit a second time. And so, like, this this entire time, we, we never really learn what's going on. You know, what, what what's up with the dolphins? What's up with the with the little head? Are these things even connected to each other? It's, yeah. it's, it's all just, just a, a big mystery. But, like, that yeah. just makes it more... Yeah, when the when the crew mutinies, one of their demands is that the ivory head be tossed overboard. Um, which, given at least how Heinrich presents, it seems a little bit out of nowhere. Uh, it's not as though the head is like buzzing and emitting light and chanting sounds or anything like that. Um, it's just a it's just a thing that happens to be there, and maybe it's coincidental uh, that everybody is suddenly suffering a lot of horrible nightmares and dolphins are banging up against the side of the ship. Uh, or maybe it's not coincidence. And it's, the whole thing is very, it's very unclear and very suggestive. Um, it, there's, a lot of, there's a lot that's implied and very little that actually is stated explicitly. So what, what I would take away from, from this story, other, other than, you know, uh, a, a, a cool underwater civilization that would be cool for adventurers to 
explore. What 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 I would take away is is that if if you're trying to put your players at un, unease, it it really doesn't take much. You you don't like all all you really have to do is present them with a series of things that they can't explain, and and no amount of perception checks or knowledge checks. You know, will 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 turn up any any clues, and and you 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 don't come out and 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 harm them. You just you just present this this string of, of, uh, occurrences, and you and you slowly, slowly build up till the till they're till they're, you know, looking over their 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 shoulders. Yeah, you have you have bad things happening, but you don't necessarily need to connect the dots A to B to C to make it completely clear to everybody exactly what the causal relationship is between these different things that's ha- that are happening. Um, just so long as you're successfully, I think, conveying that terrible things are happening and that it is all connected. Um, that's, the, that's the thing that I'm finding interesting about this. If I was going to be projecting it into a story, I would be looking at how things don't always make all that much sense. The, the universe is, is is random and it's it's really not it's not here for you yeah it's like the movie uh, you've ever seen the movie lost highway uh, by David no. Lynch who David Lynch okay uh, no, Twin never. Peaks and Mulholland Drive uh, lost highway long story short there's this guy terrible supernatural things happen to him and at about the climax of the movie he's exploring this sort of quasi haunted house and he op- and uh, he opens up a door at random and his dead ex uh, dead wife is standing there and she says to him you know what do you want an answer for everything do you need a reason why and then she laughs at him and closes the door okay and that's like the the cherry on top of all of the horrible inexplicable things that have been happening to him in context it, it what i just said sounds kind of silly but uh, in context it's uh, really good i would hope, i would certainly recommend the movie lost highway but that's neither here nor there uh, I'm just saying things don't always have to make sense. Look at uh, the TV show Lost. I've, I've never watched Lost, but I've, I've heard uh, enough people complaining about it that, that I, I, I sort of know what happens. Yeah, well, there you go. There you go. Okay. Well, so that, that's the temple. Yep, that wraps up uh, this discussion. Thank you, Jeff. Happy to be here. And with me to talk about the music of Eric Zahn... Returning to the show is Jay Kent. Welcome, Jay. Woohoo, Harry. Glad to be back, Jeff. Always a fun party when we're together. All right. Welcome, welcome back to my Lovecraft extravaganza. Uh, the music Lovecraft, of Lovecraft talking about the, the whores. Oh my goodness. Okay, I think you think that may just be like a number one <laughs> chart topper. Okay. Yeah, well, you know. Love boat, eighties theme music, Cthulhu. Lovecraft, you know, it all goes together. Goes together. Goes together. All right. Uh, the music of Eric Zahn was written uh, December 1921 and was published in March uh, of the next year in a magazine called The National Amateur. Uh, and uh, Lovecraft considered it one of its his best stories. Uh, what did what, what did you think think of it, Jay? Um, well, who am I to disagree with H.P. Lovecraft? But honestly, not that impressed. Really? Yeah. I, it's funny because I, 
I heard, uh, I'd read about, the, I'd read the story, and then I went and did some research on it. And like you said, um, he considered it one of his best. And there is a lot of, well, a fair amount of pop culture uh, references to Eric Zahn in particular. There's a few metal bands that have either albums or even sometimes the name of the group is is involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I compared to some of his other stuff, which. Uh, you know, minor disclaimer: I'm not horribly well versed in in H.P. Lovecraft's literary works, but uh, I have read a few, and of all the ones I've read, it was probably my least favorite. Well, it's it's definitely um, the it 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 suffers from from the horror being uh, rather rather on the vague side. Correct, uh, and and that's and that's that's Lovecraft's uh, specialty. But sometimes it it sort of works. Uh, against him, um, but the so the the general gist is that our I, I believe unnamed uh, pr- protagonist is a student in a city which we could assume to be Paris. Yeah, by well the fact it's the French name Rue de I can't remember Rue d'Auguste or something like that. But he he rents a a room in a in a dilapidated house on on the on the Rue de de Sale. And, and I yeah, can't. Yeah, say That's it. Yeah. Right. I can't. I can't speak French. And but um, say say that one more time. Rudasel. Okay. What what Jay said. All right. Uh, I I actually uh, Wikipedia says that Osel uh, is not actually a French word and speculates that uh, Lovecraft may have de- uh, derived the name from Osweil, A U S E U I L. Which means uh, at the threshold, uh, but basically Love, Lovecraft uh, didn't really know his French. Is is what we can take away from from, from that. But uh, it's it's a street that uh, the author is uh, as, as he's telling us this story. He he can no longer find it. Like it's just it's just like the whole street has just sort of like vanished out of existence after this story has taken place, which is is already pretty creepy. Yeah, and, gets off to a good start. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he's describing this 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 uh, street as just sort of this 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 uh, crooked uh, uh, winding road that actually like kind of crosses over uh, a, a bridge to like a part of town that's like it's it like there like there's just like clouds hanging over this 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 part of town. It's like it's like you've you've stepped into Gotham. Um, and this this house just like sits against a a wall and, and it's like five stories tall, and and only like the fifth story can actually see over the wall into what is presumably the the rooftops of of Paris, which the author assumes must be very well well lit and and beautiful because this is this is Paris city of lights right yeah well I love his description of of the rue itself you know he. It almost sounds like something out of uh, either a Picasso painting mm. or maybe, yes, even a Dr. Seuss book or something like that. Uh, as as the as he was talking about, you know how they they lean crazily back and forth, and and like you said, supposedly only the fifth story is uh, able to see over this this particular uh, wall. Though, like you said, he his apartment apparently doesn't do that. Only the one that's occupied by the person we'll talk about in a second. Right. So our our protagonist rents rents a room uh, below uh, uh, Mister Mister Zahn, who we're we're told is uh, an 
an an eccentric uh, musician who often who often uh, plays his his viol uh, late at late at night, and um, our our protagonist hears him playing, and and he's he's just you know very uh, entranced by this haunting uh, alien uh, uh, music. It's 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 weirdly beautiful to him. Uh, and and he just he just has to go up and and uh, meet this man even even though he's sort of warned by the by the landlord to just kind of stay away. He's like this weird one as a viol or viol player. He's German. Eric Zahn is the name would tend to tend to make you believe. Mm-hmm. He plays in a cheap little orchestra in a theater. Uh, but the strange thing is, for some reason, he comes home and he continues to play. And like you said, the music is eerie and haunting and just weird. And uh, so it keeps him. It keeps him up at night, but you know, at the same time, he, uh, you know, he he considers it uh, genius, as he says. You know, he says he concluded he was a composer of highly original genius, which uh, reminds me of some of the early '80s German music that I remember hearing, things like Kraftwerk and things like that. So yeah, I could believe that. And so he he goes upstairs to to meet uh, uh, Mister Mister Zahn, and. Uh, you know he's he's this this odd old man who who can't really really talk. Uh, he he apparently has, has suffered uh, some some kind of uh, nervous nervous shock, which 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 kind of keeps him from from uh, speaking. So Zahn is is initially kind of un, unfriendly and uh, has to has to write everything out because because he can't, yeah. he can't talk. Yeah, he writes very, as he says, execrable French, meaning you know, very crappy French. But uh, yeah, it, it, the the interesting thing is, you know, he seems our protagonist uh, is very captivated by his music and by you know, and then he becomes intensely curious about the man himself. And uh, so you know, he he um, he really only meets him the one time at first, and he says, "I'd love to come back and visit you more." And the old man says uh, says he would like that, but then he sort of becomes cagey and basically doesn't allow him or doesn't accept his. I think his, I think uh, what happens age. is when when they're together, Zahn only plays normal stuff, and 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 the protagonist is like, I, "Can you play the weird stuff?" Yeah I, yeah, I I like the weird stuff, and Zan just kind of freezes up and says, uh, "No, uh, you can't. You you need to go now." That's not for human ears. You need to go, uh, and uh, he. So the the hero has, actually has to like move downstairs, uh, and and live between a, a a money lender and a and a carpet merchant. And Mr. Zahn goes so far as to say, "Look, you need to move off of this level. You cannot hear me, and so move down one level, and I will pay the difference in rent. You know, right. these are nicer apartments." Go down there, and I will, you know, talk talk to the landlord. Tell him I will pay the difference in rent. He's he is so adamant about him, you know, not being present when that type of music is played. He's willing to pay for, you know, apparently he's it subsists on a fairly meager uh, sustenance as is. I mean, at mm-hmm. least from his description. So yeah, it must must have been something. He was he was very very adamant, enthusiastic that he not be able to hear this music. Right, and and we're 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 given to understand that 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 at at least Zahn thinks that that this music will will have some kind of terrible effect on on the hero. Like he's 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 not being uh, 
mean he's 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 actually trying to save our our hero's life like you you can't hear this or you will like what what happened to me will 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 happen to you basically i have to wonder what what exactly happened to the uh, upholsterer and the and the moneylender when the entire street vanished uh, but i guess we we never find that out uh but uh, I tell our, you, some lady was very pissed that her couch was gone yeah but our our hero just can't stay away and, and he actually like goes up to Zahn's room and like listens outside his door and one night um, he just I, th- I think he breaks his way inside I'm, I'm looking at it right now I don't recall that point I'm trying to remember how he ends up finds himself in the apartment yeah but he does but he he, he eventually con- convinces Zahn to tell him his story and so Zahn is like is, is just you can you can you can tell that, that that Zahn really just wants someone to to talk to, and so he he finally relents and says, "I'll I'll tell you everything, but I have to write it out in in German because it's it's a very long, complicated story." And so he he starts writing, and our hero is is, is waiting patiently. When when all of a sudden, uh, there's there's something at at the window, and and this is the window that we're that we assume looks out over the wall onto the rooftops of of Paris, and. Uh, our, and, and in which our hero has actually been forbidden to look through. And Zahn just like puts down his pencil and paper and grabs his vial and starts playing right away. And he, he just keeps playing and playing and playing. And like there's, there's this wind through the window and our hero sees that it's like space out, outside. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, it's yeah, just this, exactly. this black void and there, but there's like something out there. And and the lights go off and it's chaos and and there's there's all this wind and eventually the hero uh, like brushes against Zahn or like touches him and realizes he is stone cold dead, but he's still playing, and and that's the the point where our hero just just flees. Yeah, he um, well and not only that but whatever it was that he'd written, the this entity this force supernatural force. You know, he he'd been writing out, you know, like you say, he was scribbling frantically prior to the visit, you know, prior to the arrival of this this force or entity, mm-hmm. and uh, but that entity basically takes, you know, he somehow uses a gust of wind to to he catches up the manuscript and bears it toward the window. Ah, so the, this story was the inspiration for the D and D spell gust of wind. Yes, yes, I think so. Okay, well, maybe stinking cloud was in there too. Oh somewhere. my goodness, we've we've solved that mystery. Okay. Yes. But I mean, it's it's not I like I it, it's not a terrible story. Uh, I mean, I, it's it's definitely very creepy and and has like great. It's 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 a great seed that that sort of like leaves you wondering. Well, what what was outside his window? What what is this man's backstory? I I don't know. For me, maybe it was just the whole music thing. I was reading this, and the the, the two things that kept coming to mind were first of all. Um, there's a song from the eighties, the, the devil went, or, uh, what was it? The devil went down to Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. It's about the Charlie Daniels band. It's about mm-hmm. this kid who meets the devil and I'm, a crossroads. Yeah. They, they play this duel of, you know, fiddles and, and I'm just, I'm, I'm imagining this guy just, you know, dueling it out with whatever this thing is on the other side of the window. And of course, then I'm sitting there thinking, you know, he's sitting there, he's playing and whatever it is. And I, I'm kind of getting this image of violin hero you know instead of guitar hero you know he's, he's just frantically playing and trying to keep whatever it is and keep the notes and you know and i mean if you've ever right. if you've ever seen anybody play rocksmith which is you know a, 
a guitar learning thing using the Guitar Hero type gameplay. It rarely sounds anything like what the music is supposed to. I don't know if I'd say it's weird and creepy. It's just, I don't know, the whole idea of using music, it's an interesting one. Uh, like you said, as the seed for an adventure, it just didn't work for me. I don't know. I mean, not, you know, uh, I'm certainly no Lovecraft aficionado. I enjoyed the... The idea behind, you know, having the, the, the window that it was, you know, supposed to look out over the city and instead it looks into this, you know, some, some sort of extra dimensional type, uh, you know, universe or something. And, and of course, and, there's and the idea that, that the whole, that, that, the, that the whole street it, itself is, is sort of in a, in a pocket universe. Yeah, it's like this nexus in between the two, you know, the real world and whatever this thing is on the other he, side of the window. Because like, our, our hero can, like, can, can never find the street again. Yeah. After this. But. And, and I, you know, the fact that Eric Zahn is apparently some sort of wizard to keep, you know, whatever it is at bay. But then he uses a, you know, a veal. We don't, or, well, you know, is, is, a, is he a wizard a or, or is he just like, is he just like, well, uh, metaphorically uh, speaking. He's a, I, I think he's a, he's a puppet of this, of this thing. This, 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 this thing just likes his, his music and occasionally shows up and says, play for me. Oh, that's an interesting, I hadn't considered it. I considered he was trying to keep it out. But I guess, yeah, your take is, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, and, and but, like, I, I'm sort of wondering now, and, and, and this never occurred to me before, like, what, what if Zahn was dead the, the entire time? Like, what, like what if, if, if he was just a, a walking creep. corpse the, the, the entire time, kept alive and, and forced to play his music for, forever, right, by this, you know, and, and, and that's, that's yeah. a... Sort of a well. That's a, the definition of hell, isn't it? And that's that's a that's a staple of of horror, like realizing the person you're talking to is is dead, or or a ghost, right? You know, you 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 walk into a room and there's someone in a chair, and you turn the chair around, and it's it's a corpse. You know, that's a minor spoiler, but it certainly worked in the Sixth Sense. So you know, I don't know. I I thought the the imagery is evocative, like he's said you know it, it, i mean he uh mr lovecraft uses a you know he, he sets the stage very well and you know you kind of get the idea of you know the, the, this this kind of weird creepy music which i don't know i'm not an expert on violins or any of the stringed instruments i have a hard time i mean they, they can make some definitely dissonant noises but you know some way that he has learned to play it in such a way that it is you know eerie and creepy and and I don't. There may be musical pieces out there that are a good example, maybe that Mr. Lovecraft had in mind when he was, you know, writing the story. I don't know any of them, but my, you know, I, I don't know. But I, it just kind of fell apart for me with the the guy with the violin keeping the, you know, keeping the bad, the the dark away, or yes, or, you know, of course you ha- you do present an alternative theory about, you know, he basically is a puppet of whatever this malevolent force is that is forcing him to play and you know consequently that's why he doesn't want uh the protagonist to be there because you know he'll witness him in some sort of you know ritualistic bad situation i don't know it it just i i, I don't know I, if you if you told me I, if you ask me well what else would he be doing rather than playing a violin that would make it scary and creepy for you i can't answer that question I don't know. Certainly not playing chess, you know. Uh, certainly not, you know, or chess or checkers with a malevolent force, you know. Playing a violin is, is or a viol, viol is is just as valid, 
as an exercise in presenting something horror. But I don't know. The whole thing just kind of fell apart for me. It was like, I, like I said, I, I got those two images in my head. You know, oh, he's basically having a battle of the bands with, with you know, some extra dimensional force. And, you know, and then I kind of imagined, you know, as he's playing this in the, in the dark nexus, you know, what, it, what you're really seeing is he sees these little descending notes that he's got to beat, you know, and thing. I was just kind of like, I don't know. It just kind of ruined it for me. I was like, eh, it didn't. I don't, at the end of the day, I was like, eh, it's a decent story, but not, it wasn't the least bit scary, and it wasn't, it didn't give me any sort of, really, it didn't give me a good impression of you know, what I could do in it for an adventure for it. But, I don't know, you did you did present some valid uh, arguments about being a good seed for things like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Louder and louder, wilder and wilder, mounting the shrieking and whining of that desperate vial. The player was dripping with an uncanny perspiration and twisted like a monkey, always looking frantically at the curtained window. In his frenzied strains, I could almost see shadowy satyrs and bacchanals dancing and whirling insanely through seething abysses of clouds and smoke and lightning. And then I thought I heard a shriller, steadier note that was not from the viol, a calm, deliberate, purposeful mocking note from far away in the west. Yeah, like it, like this... this could definitely go on to inspire more than a few uh, metal me- metal bands. I liked it. I I liked the the image of this this half dead and and eventually all dead hunched man, uh, uh, desperately trying to to appease his his uh, alien alien master. Yeah, so yeah, I just sit there and think of him playing dance dance revolution. I'm I'm well I'm I'm thinking of uh, you know like uh, like uh, Adaluk's uh, ir- irresistible dance and yeah and and, yeah. and Tasha's hideous laughter and 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 think things like that so okay uh, well thank you for uh, discussing uh, the music of Eric Zahn with me and uh, now we'll go on to our, our our next segment and wait sorry there is no next segment. If you want to hear that next segment, you'll just have to listen to our next episode. Because this here is the end, you hear? The end of the episode where I tell you, if you have questions or comments for me, if you would like to be a guest on the show or contribute in some fashion, you can contact me through the Tome Show at thetomeshow at gmail.com. Make sure to put Appendix N in the subject line. My guests were Dan Samil, Jeff Wickstrom, and Jay Kent. You can email Jeff Wickstrom at jeffwick at gmail.com, and he also has a website at jeffwick.com. He writes things, and some of those things are for sale on Amazon, so go check that out. Jay Kent also has a blog at expertisedice.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at icosahedron, and all that stuff will be in the show notes. Our next episode will be more Lovecraft stories. And the more I sit here talking, the less time I have for editing. So without further ado, this has been a Tome Show production of Appendix N, Episode 9, Selected Works by H.P. Lovecraft, Part 1. Thanks for listening.